0: here, I believe. So just... couple weekends ago, I got to officiate my own son's wedding, and it's our first wedding. My wife and I have four children. I'll start on the right. Uh, On the right is my oldest son, Zachariah. Uh, He is 25 and uh, is a part-time intern at a church in Peoria, Illinois. He works during the week uh, with a company that serves fire alarms. That's our youngest, our only daughter. She is 19, works at Walmart, uh, school was not her strength. <laughs> and so she didn't go to college, so she went right into the workforce. Uh, next to me is my new daughter-in-law, my first daughter-in-law, uh, Gabriella. She just graduated from a school in Illinois and is now a nurse who married my son, Matthew. Uh, Matthew is 22. He just graduated from Missouri Science and Technology with an engineering degree and is going into the Air Force. And so those two uh, will be moving to Ohio to uh, serve our country. She'll be serving patients. She'll be serving our country in the Air Force as an electrical engineer. Uh, That is my beautiful wife, Michelle. We've been married going on 30 years. Uh, She is a Spanish teacher at a high school near us in, in Illinois. And then the far left is our youngest son, He's 18 years old, and he is now in Phoenix, Arizona. He's going to study to be a children's pastor, uh, and he is going to go to a, a Bible college that's connected to a large church out there. And so, that is my family. I wish I could have brought all of them with me, um, but my wife, my wife's last day of school was on Friday, and then she had. Uh, parties to go to this past weekend. So we're going to meet on Monday in Wisconsin for a vacation. And uh, and my kids are older now, so they don't do vacation with as much. But one of them is, and we're going to go on a fishing trip. So that's my family. All right, well, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here in Lisbon, uh, North Dakota, to be at Faith Assembly of God, and to be with my friend, Jeff, I thank you for his ministry and for Jennifer and their three precious daughter, uh, two precious daughters and their son. Thank you, God, for this family, for this church family. God, bless this church. Bless Jeff and his family. We pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would be so evident in their midst and in our lives and, and uh, refresh them by your Holy Spirit. Just minister to us this morning as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, I'm going to look at with you Psalm 90, Psalm 90. I want to read through the entire Psalm first, and then I want to focus on some of the verses this morning, starting at verse 1. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. Or as a watch in the night. A watch in the night would have been like three or four hours. And so very quickly, verse 5, You sweep them away as with the flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes And is renewed in the evening. It fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. Verse 9. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 Or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Verse 12, so teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. and your glorious power to their children let the favor of the lord our god be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us yes establish the work of our hands this psalm is known to be a psalm of moses and so i think all of us know who moses is remember he was born in egypt and to the slaves of the hebrews and and he was put on a Nile to uh, uh, hopefully be rescued. You know Pharaoh's family took him in. He was raised by uh, the Egyptians. He later uh, murdered someone. He ran for his life as a fugitive into the wilderness for 40 years. He was a shepherd, married, had children, and then God meets him at the burning bush and says, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt. I want to I want you to go there and deliver them from slavery. And of course he's reluctant to obey, but he goes back. God does miraculous things through his life. And through the plagues, finally Pharaoh breaks under the power of God and he releases the nation of Israel into freedom. They leave, they cross the Red Sea, uh, Mount Sinai, they receive the Ten Commandments. uh, And and God is doing awesome things in the midst of this nation. And, And so then they get to the Promised Land and you remember, They're about ready to enter the promised land, but they didn't believe that God was going to help them. They feared, and because of their lack of faith, they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Moses was their shepherd, their leader, their prophet for those 40 years. And Moses would have lived about 120 years. So this is a psalm that Moses would have written sometime during that 40-year period. And because it's a psalm of Moses, this is likely the oldest psalm that is recorded in the book of Psalms. When he wrote this, we're not sure. We can only speculate. My guess is that he wrote this towards the end of the 40 years. Let me give you a quick outline of the psalm. Verses 1 through 2, it talks about how God is eternal. He's awesome. He is an awesome God. Verses 3 through 6, the people... People like you and I are mortal. We're frail. We don't live forever. Verses 7 through 10 are about the people are sinful. We've all sinned. We've all disobeyed God. Verses 11 through 12 is about God's justice and how we should respond to that justice. And then verses 13 through 17 is a, is about the prayer for restoration. Another simple outline you could use for this psalm is, first of all, that God is big. He's a big God. He's awesome. He's our creator. Second. We have big problems. We have a big God, but we have big problems. And then he ends the psalm with big prayers. And this morning, I just want to focus on the last part of this psalm, which is the big prayers of Moses. He ends this psalm with specific prayers that he cries out to God and said, Lord, this is a prayer that I have for My people, will you please hear these prayers? So let's walk through these six prayers. The first big prayer of Moses is he says, Lord, teach us. He says in verse 12, teach us to realize the brevity of life or teach us to number our days is the way that the New American Standard would translate it. Teach us to number our days so that we may grow in wisdom. Moses watched for 40 years this rebellious people slowly die in the desert. He watched these people who rebelled against God, who didn't want to serve him. He watched them and many of the people that were in their family die over the over 40 years. Funeral after funeral, hundreds of thousands of people perhaps he saw die. He watched them breathe their last breath. He saw them buried in the sand. And I'm sure Moses thought to himself, what a waste. How unfortunate are these amazing people who could have had so much in life, but they chose to rebel against God. They chose to be foolish, and now they're dying in the wilderness. It says there, so teach us to number our days. Now, I'm 52 years old and a half, okay? So that means I lived over 19,000 days. If I live to 8 years old, I will live another 11,000 days, which comes to a total of over 29, almost 30,000 days, okay? Now, think about the number of days that we will sleep, the you know, not all those hours that we sleep, the things that we have to do, and then there's those just few hours left in the day that we really have control and we get to do what we what we want to do, and I don't want to wait till day twenty nine thousand to finally live a life that matters. I don't want to wait till the end to say, I'm going to live a life of wisdom. I don't want to waste my whole life and then at the end say, boy, I better do something. Don't count your days. Make your days count. Find something that the Lord would want you to do because life is short, like I said, I'm 52, and many of you may be older, some of you may be younger. I remember when I was a child and someone said they're 52, I thought, man, are they old? Right? You remember that? But how quickly it goes. Just, it flies. It's amazing to me that Jeff was in our youth group almost 30 years ago, 25, 30 years ago. And how quickly time goes. And I know sometimes the days seem long, but boy, do the years go fast! And we need to be careful to be wise and to make our days count. So the first thing that David—I'm sorry—that Moses prays, he says, "Lord, teach us, teach us to number our days, so that we may be wise, so that we may grow in wisdom." Another prayer that he has in Psalm ninety, the second big prayer of Moses is this: Lord. Have pity on us. He says in verse 13, o Lord, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. He recognizes that his people are frail. they've sinned, they have failed. We're fallen creatures. We have done things that were wrong, and we we're guilty in the face and the courtroom of heaven. And if you read about the Israelites in the wilderness, you you would realize all the foolish things that they did. Remember, God told them, don't make any idols. And what do they do? They make the golden calf. They complain about they have no water. God provides them water. They complain about food. God provides them manna. And what do they do? They complain. And then God gives them the Ten Commandments. And what do they do? They break all of them. We In our foolishness, make a mess of things, don't we? We have have harmed our relationships. We have harmed ourselves. We have harmed other people because of our foolish choices. And he's saying here, would you please have pity? It says there, oh, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. That word take pity would be, in the Hebrew, it would mean to properly sigh to properly sigh, meaning that God sees our pain, he sees our problems, he sees our difficult circumstances, and he has this loving sigh, and then he does something about it. Let me illustrate this way. Any of you ever had a dog before? My family, we were pet lovers, we have dogs, we have cats. But if you put a dog on a leash, and then you tied the leash to a tree, and you walk away, what does often happen does the dog do? Right, he he will or he will pull away and 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 work on his neck. But sometimes, if you had a dog where he just kind of goes around the tree several times and and tangles himself all up until the point where he's like this with the tree, right? And he's stuck. He doesn't know what to do. And so you walk. So when you when you're out in the house, and you walk back outside and you see your dog all tangled up in his own. You know, it's tangled around his legs. It's tangled around his waist. It's tangled around the tree. And you go out there and you're like. Oh, come here dog and so you, you untangle them and you wrap, you get them around the tree and it's a proper sigh you like oh dog I know you're not the smartest thing in, in the world but I, I love you and let me help you out and this is the prayer of Moses he's saying Lord would you come down because we've really tangled ourselves up in our mess we've made some horrible choices and we're all tangled up and God would you just come over and say I still love you. You shouldn't have done that. But come here, let me help you out. He untangles us. Lord, have pity on your servants. Would you come back to us and fix it? And aren't you thankful that we have a Lord who sees us and the things that we've done? And He doesn't just go, "Well, you you made those choices, and and I don't really care anymore because you I've tried." You rejected me, so I reject you now. And, but aren't you thankful that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross? He didn't just sigh. He didn't just go, ah. He said, Jesus, go die for their sins. Aren't you grateful? Amen. During the worship service, uh, the lady who was uh, singing and, and, and had a, a message for this church family, she spoke about how God sets us free from our sins. It was I appreciate you just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and 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 we are being a church that is uh, believes in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It was a message to build us up. Thank God. We don't remain tangled in our sins, but we receive forgiveness and freedom. And that's what Moses is praying here. Lord, have pity on us. There's a third prayer in Psalm 90. He says, Lord, satisfy us. He says in verse 14, satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our days, to the end of our days. Now, if you're like me, you like to start each morning with a cup of coffee. You know, it's a gift from God, I hope, all right? Isn't it amazing? But what is better than a cup of coffee? A cup of God's unfailing love. Satisfy us each morning with your un. Failing love. Now, in the New Testament, a word that we will often uh, use, a word that's used in the, old, in the New Testament that in regards to love is agape. I'm sure you've heard that word before. It's this unconditional love. In the Old Testament, there's a word that's similar that's used for love to describe God's love. It's called hesed. It's the Hebrew word hesed, meaning it's it's not just love. Whenever that word is translated in English, it's never just love. The translators will use words like unfailing love or steadfast love or faithful love or loving kindness. Now, if you are married... You know what I'm talking about here. Because when you're married, there are times when your spouse may bother you just a little bit. Is that fair? And there are times when I get on my wife's nerve. And there are times when I, I'm sure that I don't deserve her love. But she shows me hesitant love even when I don't deserve it. She shows not just love. She, sho- she chooses to love me and shows me her love, whether it's an act of kindness, doing something nice for me. It's, it's a choice of loving kindness. It is this unfailing love, this steadfast love. It's a love that we should have in our families, in our churches. And that's the kind of love God shows us. Now, what does this love do, though? It says, Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may what? Sing for joy. So that we may sing for joy, so that we may sing for joy to the Lord to the end of our days. Every day to the very end. Our faith has always been a singing faith. Old Testament saints, New Testament saints. We have been a people who responded to God's unfailing love with singing, with praising him in song. You know, did you know that there are benefits to singing? There have been studies that have been done that have shown that when people sing, and this study had nothing to do with Christian singing, which in my opinion would magnify these studies. Let me show this to you. When we sing, it boosts your immunity. It strengthens your immune system. Number two, it improves your memory and IQ. Did you know that singing strengthens your um, your IQ, your memory. Number three, it decreases stress and anxiety. Number four, it improves your mood. Have you ever gone to church before and you're just feeling negative and sour, but then you come to church and people love you and accept you and you start worshiping the Lord and you praise Him for His loving kindness and all of a sudden you start sensing the joy of the Lord fill in your hearts and your mood changes. Did you know that's a gift from god it's what we're supposed to experience it, it it builds community there's this unity and 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 being together and worshiping the lord my challenge with you is: please don't lose your song don't lose your singing don't lose your joy keep rejoicing what did the apostle paul is saying philippians rejoice in the lord always again i say rejoice Moses prays, Lord, satisfy with your Hesed, your steadfast, your unfailing love. Every morning, when we just get a cup of His unfailing love in our souls, so that we don't lose our song, so that we keep singing and worshiping Him, so that we can have the joy of the Lord in our soul. Amen. Amen. Number four, the fourth big prayer of Moses is this Lord, make us glad. Make us glad. He says in verse 15, Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Much of the years for, the, for Moses and the people in the wilderness were miserable. Can you imagine camping in a desert with no Dollar General, no air conditioning, no air mattress?" Can you imagine the misery they would have had? And all the stuff that just happens in life. Their life was painful, their life was difficult. And he says, Lord, give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. All of us in this room have stories to tell. If we could review your life, we would see wonderful moments. We would see painful moments, wouldn't we? There would be times where we would see you laughing, and there would be times where we watch you crying. There are failures in our lives. There are victories in our lives. And sometimes our past failures and sins can haunt us, and the consequences of our lives can just rob us of our satisfaction and our gladness of today. Some of us have been abused and neglected. Some of us have suffered physically. And all those tough times in our life can rob us of our gladness. We stop smiling. We stop laughing. We stop enjoying life. But Moses' bold prayer, he says, Lord, give us gladness. As a matter of fact, just don't give us gladness, but give us the gladness that would make up for the misery that I had in my life in the past. Does that make sense? He's like, Lord, we had so many tough years. We've had so many miserable situations in our life. Would you please, Lord, bring us gladness that would make up for the misery that we walked through. About six years ago, um, my family had a Major tragedy, uh, incredibly painful. Uh, so painful, so tragic. I, to be honest with you, I wanted to leave the ministry. I didn't want to pastor anymore. I, I, I was heartbroken and um, incredible amount of tears and sorrow, and uh, to the point where I I really wanted to find an escape. Um, For most marriages, I think they would have failed. But my wife and I, we just kept putting one foot in front of the other. We just kept holding hands and praying and cried out to God. Now we're six years later, and if you would have seen me six years ago, you would have thought, wow, they're in trouble. But my God is a good God. He's a gracious God. He's a forgiving God. He's a healing God. He restores what has been broken. Joel 2.25 says, the Lord says, I will give back what you lost. And now six years later, and I already showed you a picture of this, but let me show you another one. Six years later, we got to marry uh, my son Matthew and his beautiful bride Gabriella. And I knew it was coming, right? I knew they were going to get engaged. I knew they, were, they started dating when they were sophomore years in high school. And they're high school sweethearts. And we're just so proud of these two and, and how they uh, committed themselves to one another in the presence of the Lord. And I've just, I sat there last Saturday, two Saturdays ago. And I just said, Lord, thank you. Thank you for making me glad. And I think probably some of you can think of an instance in your life where the pain is so deep. I encourage you to pray to God, Lord, give us gladness. Replace the evil years with good. Isn't that a great prayer? The fifth big prayer of Moses is, Lord, show us your work. He writes in verse 16, let us, your servants, see you work again. Let our, I love this one right here. If you're a parent, you get this one. If you're a grandparent, you get this one. Let our children see your glory. Remember, Moses saw the glory of God. He experienced the wonders of God. He experienced the word of God. And God speaking to him and through him to people. And he's like, Lord, I've experienced it. I have seen your faithfulness and goodness in my life. But I want my children, I want my children, grandchildren to know you and to see you work, to see your glory again. No doubt Moses and the Israelites wandered, uh, wondered that they would ever see God do something again. Moses is not satisfied with things as they are. I think that's so important here in this prayer. Because Moses could have just been content. This is just the way it is. It's the way it's always going to be. Why you even try But he doesn't settle for earthly normal. He doesn't accept failure and pain as final. He has hope for the future and the next generation as they enter the promised land that they will see God work. He calls upon God to work and to do things that only God can do. Now, you're probably wondering who these two handsome guys are in this next picture. Those are two handsome dudes, aren't they? (laughs) So I think it was two summers ago, um, my family and I were on vacation in Wisconsin Dells. And I don't remember who posted something on Facebook. It was either you or me. And, And I said, and Jeff goes, hey, my family is in the Wisconsin Dells. I go, Jeff, we're in Wisconsin Dells. I said, let's connect. And so we got together, had breakfast together. It was such a joy to reconnect with Jeff and his family. And then I started to hear a little bit about his story. I heard about how he went to Bible college, was in ministry, went through a very dark time personally, and Jeff, I don't know, if I'm not going to share it again with you, I'm sure Jeff has shared the story with you, but went through a dark time personally, and thought the Lord was done with him, but thank God he wasn't, amen? Aren't you glad that God has brought to you a wonderful man of God and a wonderful wife, partner, and family to serve you as a pastor? And it only happened, why? Because God is for us, he's not against us. God is on our side and works for our good and does things for us on our behalf so that we can glorify him and serve him. Lord, let us see you work again, amen? There's one last prayer in the Psalm 90. Moses writes this. He says, Lord, bless us. He writes in verse 17. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. What has God called you to do? I think that every individual um, has a mission. I think every church has a mission, generally speaking, of course, and then specific things that God wants you to do. No doubt God wants you to love your spouse. You choose to love your spouse. As parents, you choose to love and serve your children. You serve this local church, and you serve Lisbon, North Dakota. You invest your money into God's kingdom. You do things to work. You, are, we, you and I are saved from our sins to work, to do things for God. And the previous verse, remember, God was praying, Lord, you do something, show your work. Then this prayer, he's saying, Lord, may we work, and may you bless it. May you do what you, only you can do, God, and may we do what only we can do. And as partners working with the Lord, good things can happen. Let me give you just a personal example of what the Lord has done in our church in Illinois. Uh, we're a smaller church, um, and, and God laid on our hearts a mission. It, it was a, just this divine call. We felt like God wanted us to minister to the foster children of our county. Some of you may have heard of Royal Family Kids Camp. Uh, It's a national ministry. It's even gone beyond America. And this this camp is designed to bring in foster children for a week. And we teach them about the Bible, about Jesus. We, We love them. We bless them. And God does things in these kids' hearts that only he can do during this week of camp. We work hard. God works through us. And here's this, this small church in a rural community. Uh, our town's only 5,400. It's a little bit bigger, but our county is all small towns. And 12 other churches in our county have partnered with us. We couldn't have done that. We couldn't have done that if we tried. This was a God thing where God put things in people's hearts. Let's reach the foster children of our county. And we work together. We put on a camp. We now have a mentoring program. We've done this camp every year for six years now. We have a mentoring program throughout the months. And we minister to these kids who have experienced horrific trauma. And God has blessed it. Businesses have supported us financially. And that is not meant to say, this is what you should do. This is what God put on our hearts to do. But for you personally, for this church, and I know that you guys are serving. I am not in any way saying you're not doing anything. But as as we work with the Lord, we're saying, Lord, make our efforts successful may lives be impacted and changed by the power of god's word and his holy spirit as we teach as we love as we serve and may he do only what he can do as we partner with the lord so let me close with this by asking you this there's a list of prayers that i just kind of summarize these these six prayers in my own words And I want to ask the worship team, if you'd please come back. And I do want us to spend a little bit of time in prayer here. Of these six prayers, which one do you feel like you need to pray? Lord, teach me to be wise with my days. Lord, have pity on me. I'm miserable. I've made some bad choices. My life is going through a very difficult time. Lord, satisfy me with your unfailing love, so that I can sing again. Lord, turn my sadness into gladness. Lord, show me that you are still working for me. And Lord, bless me with success. You know the greatest prayer, the really the first prayer that we should pray is to call upon Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins, to save us from our sins, and that recognize, recognized that he died for us and rose from the grave. And if you're here this morning and, and you need to make things right with the Lord, you need to commit your life to Jesus and, and become a follower of Jesus Christ, you can do that this morning. And I want to I ask you to find Pastor Jeff and pray with him, and he will talk to you more about that in just a moment. But for all of us this morning... Is there one up there that just jumps out at you? Yep, that's the one I got to pray right now. And as the worship team, um, as the worship team just plays softly, would you just, can we just take a few moments, just, just right where you are, if you wish to come front, pray, that's fine, of course. But can we just take a few moments and will you just bow your head before the Lord? And pray one of these, maybe more than one. And just call upon God.
1: Generation. Show us your glory, O oh Lord. Let your goodness pass before us, right before.
2: we have a fellowship after and everything and i would just invite you if you're here and maybe there is something on the slide you're saying hey I I do need to pray that Uh, take your time the food will still be there right Uh, because I'll wait I'll go last (laughs) Uh, but um, if you're saying you know I just need to spend some time in the presence of God I just need to pray you're welcome to do that Um, I would ask you to stand we're going to close in prayer and if you do want to go downstairs and fellowship, or if you want to have conversations, please, please take that outside the sanctuary. Please not interrupt anybody while they're, while they're praying. It's a very intimate time with the Lord, and, and we don't want to bother anyone in that. And one thing, I, I'm looking at the list, and that last one, bless me with success. I have a hard time praying that sometimes because I feel selfish when I say that. But if we ask with the right motives, you know what, Lord, if you bless me with success, that's his success. And if we remember that, there's not a prayer up there that we can say that doesn't bring glory to him if it comes true. Because it's done in our lives. And we are using that as an opportunity of testimony. Amen? So, Lord, today I just pray, Father God, and and you know what, I, I don't mean it selfishly, but, Lord, I pray that this church have success. Lord, Your Word says whatever Your hand finds to do, that it be done with the, all all our might for Your glory, Father God. Lord, I pray that we we are workmen who put our hand to the plow for a harvest for You, Father God. Not because we want to pack a, a building out, not because we want to have incredible, you know, numerical growth. But Father God, because you have equipped us with your Holy Spirit to be powerful witnesses for your word and your glory and your kingdom, Father God. Lord, I believe we are a kingdom-building church. And Lord, you didn't bring us here today to, to hear how great Pastor Jeff is. You, got, you brought us here today to hear how great our God is and how how you take away our sin, how you redeem us, how you cleanse us in the blood of your Son, Father God, and you, you equip us for your work, for the building of your kingdom. And so, Father, today I pray that be our focus. That every word we say, every action we take, every, every thought we think be saturated with the blood of Christ yes. for the building of His kingdom, not mine not ours yours father god In that i pray we have success for your glory and your glory alone lord lord i pray for those who are hurting those who are saying lord you need to turn my morning into dancing because i forgot how to move for those who are saying lord i need a heart of gladness my heart is hard I'm angry, I'm bitter, or maybe I'm just frustrated, or I I don't know what to do next. Father, your Holy Spirit equips us. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to unite and build the church of Jesus Christ. And the power of the Holy Spirit is that no weapon formed against it will prosper. That whatever the enemy tries to throw at us, whatever the world tries to throw at us, it will fail and we will succeed. And Lord, I know that in the, the days we were living in, it doesn't look like that. And the world we're living in, we don't always feel like winners. When we read the headlines, we see Christians persecuted, and we, and we know that, that it's not always going to be easy for us. But that doesn't mean it can't be something that is done for your glory. It may not be easy. You didn't call us to an easy life. You called us to a holy life. A a glorious life, and while we may not win here, if we are a life, if we have a life lived for you, we have success here, and it's reflected on the other side, where it ultimately matters. Father, I pray right now for those who are maybe they're watching online, still on the live feed, or or maybe they're here and their heart is just so far from you, or just for, for the person who feels hollow. Father God, I pray you fill them with your Holy Spirit. And we ask this today in Jesus' name, amen.